what's going on, you guys? Welcome back to Forgiven AF Podcast. This is a second chance podcast that we use as marketing material for our mentorship program. Uh, super cool stuff with the mentorship this weekend. We had uh, we had our meeting, and Eugene Lockhart, mean Eugene, the hitting machine, came and uh, spoke motivation to the boys. He really killed it too. He talked about you know following your dreams and not letting anyone tell you that you can or can't do something, and if you fail to. Uh, to get back up, man, because that's just part of life. So the kids really took that well. Then we introduced our new chaplain, which I'm excited to do, and uh, Ryan Sandifer. He's actually the life missions pastor at uh, Life Church. He came and poured into the kids and let them know, you know, about God's love for them, and just kind of open up that avenue that if they wanted to pursue that, that he was there. You know, we don't push it on the kids, but we want them to know that God loves them and uh, and He's there waiting for whenever they're ready to kind of come that direction. And then we went into community service. We have a highway that we clean up, so we went and cleaned up that highway, and uh, the boys, you know, picked up a whole bunch of trash, and and then last we went to Myrtle's Burgers, which is uh, right on the border of Mansfield Burleson area, and had the best cheeseburger, hamburgers, and in, in DFW, in my opinion, it was awesome. So it, it was a great meeting; everything went good, and uh, we're just going to keep pursuing that, and I'll keep you guys updated on all the changes. It's a secondchancementors.org if you're interested in checking out kind of what we have going on and staying up to date with what we're doing. But on to the next part of the show, and I'm really excited about this. Um, I begged him to come, and I just got really lucky that he was on a two-week hiatus in DFW that he would be able to come out here and hang out with us and share some of what he's doing. But uh, Dr. Chris Harper, um, I'm not sure even how, it, Dr. Pastor Chris Harper, I'm not sure how exactly, <laughs> how, how you do it, but listen to this. I actually found this uh, I don't know if he would introduce himself this way, but I want to read this, what I found about him. And I think that it, from the, from the man I know, this is right on, right on track. Pastor Chris, AKA Harp describes himself as an amillennial Calvinistic closet, charismatic credo, baptistic, baptistic complementarian disciple of JC Ryle, who loves his wife, his four children, books, basketball, movies, and nineties hip hop. King Jesus is a savior. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother is his hero. He believes that Jordan is better than LeBron and nothing beats Nashville hot chicken. Chris holds a degree in political science, a certificate from Harvard, advanced degrees in social work and biblical and theological studies. He is currently finishing up his doctoral work in Christian formation, which I believe he's already got finished now. Yeah, um, that's a little dude, bit old, old intro. Man, but it's so cool, man, because it just describes your personality. Dude. Yeah, it's on brand for sure. Thank you so much for being here, man. I'm really excited to just to kind of dig your into your brain a little bit and kind of see all the stuff that you started. So, man, thanks for being here. Man, honored to be here and thankful. Um, man, I was so encouraged when when I met you and, and found a new brother in the faith, so was super excited to be out here. Thanks, man. It means a lot to me. I got him out here an hour out of, pretty much an hour away from home. And Come on. So thanks, dude. Um, so Chris is actually, or Dr. Harper, Chris has actually written a whole bunch of different courses. Um, I'm going to kind of just read them off so you kind of know like where he's at with what he likes to, you know, touch on. And some of these, the dad life, God's plan for something greater, parenting children in sports, what to do after, what to do after a parenting fail, your children and friendships, teaching your children they are not the center of the universe. Man, that's good. Uh, parenting children with cell phones and blueprint for man. So at the end of the show, I'm going to come back and pick his brain on a couple of these. Um, just the topics are so relevant, man. And I feel like that's what's so awesome about this program that he's developed. But Chris, can you start off and just kind of let us know where you're from and kind of where you grew up and how you grew up? Absolutely, man. So I'm, I'm from Backwoods, Kentucky, like, like in the holler. 
<laughs> so if you if you're familiar with bourbon, which is which is made in Kentucky, whiskey's made in Tennessee. But um, I grew up at the foot of Knob Creek Hill, where they make Knob Creek bourbon. I've heard of Knob Creek. That's it, man. So um, grew up in Backwoods, Kentucky. Uh, didn't really like it. Um, it was rough, real rough. I had I had one sibling who died of a drug overdose. Um, grew up super poor. Um, but learned a lot of good values from that. Like, like there's there's things you learn in the country that you just can't learn elsewhere. Like the value of hard work, and the value of being loyal, things of that nature. But at the end of the day, I couldn't wait to get out of there. <laughs> so, so man, when I turned 18, um, um, I was fortunate to, to have some um, academic opportunities, man. So uh, got out and, and kind of didn't look back. So since then, I've, I've lived in a few different places, have done a few different things, and have been in Texas for the last nine years. Okay. And Texas really is, is where my wife and I call home. It's where most of our children were born. They've been raised. And, uh, man, we love the great state of Texas. I know. I, it's a great state. I'm from Philadelphia, and I actually call this home now. I love Come it here, on. too. I'm still an Eagles fan, but Amen, brother. definitely home now. Um, how did you kind of, can you kind of give us a brief, how do you came into a relationship with the Lord? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it's super interesting. I was, I was overseas doing research for the university and I was in Eastern Europe and I realized that, that poverty was relative to where you were. So, so I did a lot of social policy research. So poverty in Budapest looked different than poverty in Munich and poverty in Munich looks different than poverty in Chicago. Like it's just relative. Right. But hopelessness was not like the same hopelessness I saw in people's faces everywhere I went was the same hopelessness I saw in my own face. Man, that's good. So when I got back to the States, I asked a buddy of mine from grad school, I said, man, where does hope come from? And he was like, bro, you should come to church with me on Wednesday night. And I was like, man, I'm really not into that. He said, I'll never forget it. He said, there's free Chick-fil-A in college girls. I said, bro, I'm in. (laughs) So so I I tell people all the time, I went for the chicks and the chicken, and uh, I found Jesus Christ, man. And and really, he found me. I I went to church and and never looked back. I I learned that my hopelessness was caused by the fact that I had rejected and rebelled against God. Mm. Not only did I not like God, I wanted to be God. Oh, that's good. So I had I had rejected him. I had rebelled against him. And then I learned about this cat named Jesus, man, who paid the penalty for my sin. Yeah. Who welcomes me back, not just into a relationship with him, but a relationship with the Father. And then when I when I embraced that and accepted that, man, it was hope upon hope. Like, I've got more hope. Um, uh, I got enough hope to last me forever now. That's so good, uh, He's man. the king of hope, man. So um, my life changed. That was, uh, that, that, that was it. And then, so did you know... Right away, like, were you all in on your walk with Jesus and you realized, like, you wanted to do this as a career? Yeah, so so not exactly. So I was I, I was getting ready to – so I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Okay. So um, went to school, you know, have a degree in political science, went and got a master's degree, and then, you know, took the LSAT, was getting ready for law school, and that's when I got saved. Okay. So I really had no idea – um, what I was going to do, but I, I knew at that moment that I wanted to serve him. And it was about six months into being saved, and I wouldn't recommend this to anyone, but six months into being saved, the church came to me and said, hey, we've got this sister church, and they're basically looking for a number, uh, an associate pastor, right? 
they they knew I could communicate. They they knew I could teach. They knew I could draw a crowd. So they're like, man, we're going to take those gifts and turn those for the kingdom. And so the first church I pastored had six thousand members. Wow, that's big. It was crazy, and and I had no idea what I believed. Like I had no idea what good theology was. Wow. Like I'm just in it, and it was an absolute train wreck. Um, I mean, the 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 church was not solid. Uh, the people there were. Um, it was just different, and it and it hurt me because I thought like churches and church life was perfect. I thought I was going into like this this place where you know people floated around on clouds and everybody yeah. was nice to each other. And and what I discovered is, no man, like the church is full of broken people. Wow. See, most people learn that in their initial you know six month to a couple year walk with the Lord, right? right. They're just like not in a pastoral leadership position. So yeah. I mean, that's farther to fall when you're finding that stuff out. Like, man, these people. Are, yeah. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, so. yeah. It, it was crazy, bro. And then I also began discovering, like, I'm very apostolic, and I like to grow things and okay. build things. Yeah, me too. But but I'm not a good shepherd. Like, I don't even know if I liked people. <laughs> like, so that was a problem, right? So so I was at the mega church for a couple of years, and then I planted churches on college campuses for a couple of years. That's cool. And then I, I pastored another large church in Oklahoma City for about a year. And at that point, that's when I was like, uh, this isn't for me, man. Like, like, I'm not a great shepherd. Um, I just wasn't a good pastor. I didn't know how to be a pastor. Yeah. So I left the church in Oklahoma City, and that's that's nine years ago. I, that's when I came to, to Texas. So I came to Texas to study at Dallas Theological Seminary. Okay. So I went there, got a master's at DTS, and then did my doctorate at Southwestern. Okay. And it was in that time that I got asked to be the interim teaching pastor at Grand Prairie Bible Church. So um, they were looking to hire a new senior pastor. They needed a guy to come in and teach and help. And uh, Bill Eubanks was the senior pastor at the time. He was the guy retiring. So for 18 months, I got to sit under Bill. And, and man, I learned what a good shepherd and pastor was. He was a good mentor. Oh, my gosh, bro. Like, he showed me what it meant to pastor a church and shepherd a church. And and it was there that I really learned how to be a pastor. And and I'm not talking about preaching yeah. and hosting events and things of that stuff, man. I mean. Relationships. And- yeah, yeah. Entertainers can do that. Yeah. Like, I'm talking about be a shepherd, like shepherd people's souls. Wow, that's deep. And, um, and that's what. That's what Bill taught me, man. I'm forever grateful. That's awesome, man. That's a good testament to that man. What's he doing now? He retired. Do you still keep in touch with him? Oh, every yeah, I see him every week, man. I'm in a I'm in a football skins league with him. He owes me about two hundred bucks right now. <laughs> that's good. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you said that because sometimes I feel guilty of Sunday gambling on my football tickets. <laughs> you just made me feel better about that. Um, so, the reason I found you and came about you is because I'm going to this course on Wednesday nights at Lake Church, and it's called Better Man. Yeah. It's not, um, let's figure out how to even say this. It's not your regular Bible study. It's not your regular just men's group. It's freaking awesome. Come on. Like, it's freaking awesome. Come on. Um, and the first week that I went, you weren't there. Um, so we watched, you know, I forget his name, the guy from the porch. Is that it? Yeah, uh, Jonathan Bacluda. We watched him. Yeah, JP. Yeah. Um, and he did a great job. Um, and and the first week was on like fatherhood was like mm-hmm. on your fathers and and like I didn't even realize the stuff I was digging up there. Um, God put me at the right table with the right people, and it, I feel like He's going to do that at any time you go to one of these programs because yeah. God's going to make sure you get what you need out of it. But um, it was powerful. And then I'm like, man, this is great. I can't wait to go back. And then the next week I come back and you're there. 
And I got to meet you and immediately I just, your vibe was awesome, dude. I was like, dude, this dude's cool, man. Like you kind of, I think we kind of have similar, um, similar styles and vibes, you know? So, um, I really enjoyed talking to you and then you got up there and started talking and telling a story about, uh, thinking that you were going to play college basketball <laughs> and, and then you were in a tournament and you got a guard, uh, who was it? Rondo? Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo. And you were like, I realized that I was no longer going to make it to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> Crushed me. And that's so cool though, just to be able to be real like that, you know, that's mm-hmm. what's fun. But anyways, this course is so powerful and it's about teaching men, or at least in my words, it's about teaching men how to actually be men. Yeah. And, um, one of the first things you said was, like, and I just shared this with you before we started, like I kind of felt in my life sometimes that I wasn't like a full man because I didn't know how to use tools or I didn't sure. have that look of a man. And you had said something like some of the most manly men on, you know, biblical man, manly men on this world could be an art teacher or a gardener or like, I don't remember exactly, but that's kind of what stands out to me. Um, so this, anyways, I'm just rambling now about this, but this program was awesome. What was your inspiration behind starting this program? Yeah. So I actually inherited the program. So this is Better Man is an iteration of a 30-year-old men's ministry called Men's Fraternity and Authentic Manhood. Cool. So Better Man in 2018 iterated uh, and became Better Man, and we geared it towards millennials, Gen Z, Gen Alpha. So everything we write, everything we do really is to win back the hearts of millennials, Gen Z, Gen Alpha. And, And I tell people all the time, Better man isn't winning men back to the church. It's winning the church back to men. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the church that has really large-scale abandoned men, and they don't, they don't do a good job of reaching men. And I don't say that to be critical of the church. I just think critically about the church. I mean, I am a pastor. I've, I've, I've led churches. Like, I've been guilty of this. And, and to your point, churches love to paint with a broad brush, right? So, you know, 98% of all men's ministries today is, is throwing axes and shooting and, guns. Uh, shooting yeah. guns. And, um, and the reality is, man, like not every man expresses himself like that. Like wild game feeds. I, I got a t-shirt that says wild game fed spirit led. And I, and, and, and I, I keep that just to, just to re- be a reminder. Like I don't eat venison, bro. I don't like, like it. Either. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, bro. <laughs> Closest thing I come is like a spicy chicken sandwich at Chick Fil A. Like, <laughs> like, I, like I don't, you know, I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't cut my grass. Like my backyard's turfed. Like that's, that's so yeah, funny. yeah, man. I don't camp. Like I like four star hotels and above. Like I'm it's so the same, man. And 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 I and you know, you feel like less of a man <laughs> according yeah. to culture, and the church is bought into that culture. And, and then the opposite, like, I don't have a black belt in jujitsu. Like, so, so then I feel like less of a man because I got Andrew Tate telling me that I need a black belt in jujitsu. And I'm like, bro, I don't have one of those. So, so we've, what we're doing is we're showing the church and we're showing men, like, I tell people all the time, The Rock and Kevin Hart are two different expressions of manhood. Yeah. But they both starred in the same movie. Think yeah. about that. That's good. Right. So, so men can express themselves differently. Now there are certain principles that never change and we'll talk about those in a little bit, but, but it's okay as a man for you to express yourself differently. One of the greatest men in the Bible is King David. Dude was a warrior. He's out there slaying giants. Most people forget that like when, when Elijah found him, he was in a field playing a harp. Yeah. Like, I don't know anything more unmasculine than sitting in a field playing a harp, that's so bro. True. But that's what he was doing. Like, yeah. he played the harp. He tended the sheep. Like, he was very gentle, man, very um, loving, understanding. So um, I, I hate it when I see churches and organizations divorcing, you know, 
conviction and compassion from one another. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Um, so kind of, can you give us your definition of what is a man? Yeah. Yeah. So, so those four principles, we do these four principles at Betterman and everything we write, everything we speak on, everything we produce is built around what we call the four W's. Super simple, super sticky. First W is a real man courageously follows God's word and he's got to have a foundation of truth. He learns that truth and then he acts on it. Like I meet so many men who like are head smart in the Bible, like they know the Bible, but they don't act on the Bible. That's a problem. Yeah, like, true. like it's a waste um, um, if you're not going to act on it. So, so you courageously follow God's word is, is, is the first W word. Second W um, is a real man loves and protects and serves God's woman. So good. And whether that's your girlfriend, your fiance, your wife, whether that's your sister, your mom, your grandma, it doesn't matter. Like as a man, if a woman enters into your space, like she should feel safe. Man, that's so good. Whether that's getting into the car with you, whether it's being at the office with you, whether it's walking down the street with you, like if a woman is in your vicinity, bro, she shouldn't have to worry. She shouldn't have to be afraid, right? Yeah. So we love, we serve, we protect God's woman. Woman's the second W. The third W is we excel at the work God has given us. And this is this is huge. As a matter of fact, I've got a new study coming out in December about this topic, but there's a, there's a sacred secular divide in our world today where men feel like if I'm not a pastor, if I'm not doing something for the church, then I'm not doing something holy, right? I can't tell you how many men come up to me, electricians or plumbers or doctors or lawyers or whatever, and they're like, man, I wish I could do what you do to serve the kingdom more. And I'm like, bro, you are serving the kingdom. Like, like being an electrician is serving the kingdom. Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're serving people and you're making the world a better place and you probably have an employee that you're taking care of and things of that nature. So... Um, all work is holy if it's done unto the Lord. And and the church does a terrible job of of making us feel like what we do on Sunday is holy and everything else is just kind of sacred. Yeah. I'm sorry, just kind of secular and, and, and needs to happen. That's not true, man. I had an HVAC guy at my house last week and, and I said, How long have you been doing this? And he said, He said, I've been doing this for thirty years. I said, How many houses in thirty years do you think you've been in? He's like, man, I've probably been in, he said, I've probably been in 25,000 homes. I said, do you know that if you bring the gospel into every home you go into, you'll have more influence than any mega church pastor in this country? That's really good, and it's so true. Bro, it's 100% true. Yeah. So so excel at the work. And then lastly, um, a real man betters God's world. Yeah. And he does this you know, largely through his children, through his church, and through his community. I remind men all the time of what Martin Luther said. You know, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Ooh. Your neighbor does, man. So we're out there doing it. Man, that's so good, dude. That I just love those four W's, man. I think that every time I hear that, and just hearing you say it, I even got more out of it than, I think the one that I need to really work on just to be transparent is the uh, protecting God's woman one. Yeah. And when, when you were saying that, what really hit me in the head, and I just, I like to be open with the stuff that I struggle with. Um, is driving. Uh, sometimes my wife will be in the car and show. I could tell she's nervous about my driving. Yeah. And you. And when you said you, no woman should ever be scared in your presence, I see. Um, it. it it really re made me realize that I want to try to be something I need to do better at. Yeah, man. And and you know I I love how transparent you are, man. And you just get down to honesty, which is good. We need more of that, man. Um, authentic, um, authenticity is the new currency today. I say yeah. it all the time, bro. We're looking for real. But um, I tell men, you know. I've never met a man, so any man I've ever talked to, if I said, hey, 
if somebody was to break into your house tonight and assault your wife, would you stand between him and her? Like every man I've ever asked that would say yes. And then I say, I've learned over the course of my life that the dude that breaks into my house every day and that tries to assault my wife is me mm. through my indifference and my passivity God, that's so good. and my anger and my like, 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 honestly, I'm the guy I should have, like I'm protecting my family against most days, bro. God. That's real. That's so good. Yeah. And it's something I'm actually dealing with right now. So that's so awesome, dude. Sometimes you set up a podcast like this and it ends up being a counseling session. Come on, bro. It's like, the best really. kind. You know what I mean? It's like the best kind. It's funny how God works. Um, one thing that you're really big on, and I just want to touch on just so people can understand this coming from, is the importance of community. Yeah. Um, can you kind of dive into that for a second? Absolutely. So the Surgeon General two months ago just announced the number one killer of men is not heart disease, it's not cancer, it's isolation and loneliness. Mm. So isolation and loneliness are, are is, is a killer, bro. Men 4X suicide more than any anybody else. More than women, um, you know, we leave it we, we lead in, in imprisonment, we lead out in addiction, we lead out in depression. Like men are leading in every category we we shouldn't be leading in. Like it's it's sad. And and it's because we're, we're getting more and more isolated. A lot of it has to do with technology. Yeah. So we thought technology would bring us closer together. Um, it's not like it's, it's causing us to be even more and more apart. Um, there's a rise now. I, I was reading an article yesterday. Um, the rise of the AI girlfriend, the artificial intelligent girlfriend, there's one AI girlfriend out there. She has a wait list of 15,000 dudes. God, that's ridiculous. Like, 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 not even going out on the dating scene anymore, bro. We just gonna we just gonna do it on the screen. Like <laughs> Wait on the AI girlfriend. It's unbelievable, bro. So so this lack of community is literally killing us as men, and it's something that we got to push back against. Yeah. Um, I think it's been driven into our head. You know, um, if we want to go faster, we have to go alone. But we forget the second half of that proverb, right? If we want to go further, we got to go together. Yeah. So you know. I don't want to call too many people out, but you do have some cats out there like David Goggins and some of these cats, which some of what they say is really good. Yeah. But some of it, man, it's like, you know, yeah, it's great that you can strap on a backpack and run 200 miles, but you're going to leave a lot of people behind doing that. Yeah, like, no, and, that's true. And you're going to get to the top of the mountain. You're going to realize you're alone up there and, and it's not going to be good for you. So um, uh, I just want to, men to be mindful of that. Like, like we need each other. we you and I are created in the image of God, and God is the original small group. Like God's the OG small group. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. They've always been in group together. Yeah. So you and I were re made to reflect that small group. So we were made for community. Yeah. When we're not in community with one another, we're not reflecting God correctly. And, and a lot of men are, are dealing with that right now. That's really good. I think another aspect, just to throw something in there, which I know I've heard you say before, is the accountability aspect. I think oh, a lot so. of men are scared of that. Yeah, uh, They know that if I'm getting too close to somebody, they're going to know what I have going on and therefore might call me out on it or I might have to change. Yeah, absolutely. So I have something. I, have, I, I do a friendship inventory every year. And so I have three levels that I deal with people. Um, and, and a lot of men have found this helpful. And I got it from Jesus, so I didn't make it up. But... The first level is I'm authentic with everybody. So everybody I meet, man, I just try to be me. You know, the greatest sin that nobody talks about today is the sin of partiality, treating people differently based upon what they wear, what they drive, where they live. You see this in the church all the time. That's good. 
um, I run in some pretty affluent circles. And, you know, I've been in board meetings where the the wealthiest dude said a joke that wasn't funny, but everybody laughed. Like, like I just made a commitment years ago. I'm just going to stop laughing if you ain't funny. Like, <laughs> like, like, I don't care how much money you have. That's good. So, so, like, just be authentic with everybody. That's the first level. The second level is be vulnerable with some people. So you need to find those people you can be vulnerable with, right? You don't want to be vulnerable with everybody for two reasons. One is because if you are, eventually somebody will take advantage of you, period, right? And then two, if you're vulnerable with everybody, you're going to be that guy that when you come around, nobody's going to want to talk to you, right? Because you're, you're the one that's always laying your cards on the table, bro, and you don't want to be that dude. Yeah. So you need to be mindful. Man, I'm going to be vulnerable with some people. And then my third category is intimacy, and I'm going to be intimate with just a few, like like that, my rider dies, right? Yeah. They're not going to judge me. They're always going to be for me. And that's Jesus's life. So you look at Jesus. So Jesus was authentic with everybody. Everybody in meet, he was always Jesus. Yeah. He was vulnerable with nine disciples. And then he was intimate with James, John, and Peter, who when you look at the gospels chronologically, he spent 70% of his time with those three cats. And so he was intimate with a few, vulnerable with some, authentic with all. That's awesome. Yeah, man. And that's if, if 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 you start to categorize your friendships like that, yeah. bro, it does it does wonders for your mental health, bro. I want to make sure I'm not the person that's vulnerable with too many people. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, don't be that guy, man. <laughs> I don't be that yeah. guy. Yeah. And, and for real, like like not just the negative side of that, but I mean, some people are bad, bro. They're mean. That's true. Right? They will take advantage of you, bro. I that's mean, true. we've all been taken advantage of by somebody and it hurts. It doesn't feel good. It's so true. Yeah. So um other than community, what do you think are uh, the biggest problem or some of the biggest problems that men are facing today? Yeah, so um, quite a few. You know, the biggest problem is, and what Better Man is trying to solve is, um, men don't have a path; they don't have a direction. That's good. Um, and we always say around the office, you can't become what you can't define. So if you can't define what a pro athlete is, you can't become one. Yep. If you can't define what a good husband is, you can't become one. So men need a definition. Yeah. And and once you give them a definition, once you give them a path, they can start to walk that path. Uh, what we've learned is if they don't have a definition, they do one of two things. They either become paralyzed and they don't move, which is what a lot of men do, or um, they start to create their own definition and break a lot of stuff on the way, bro. That makes sense. Yeah. So so the number one thing men need is, is, is man, a definition of what it means to be a man, which which we think we have the definition is the four W's. Yeah. And I think that that's perfect. Yeah. Come right on. on. So let me see here. How can someone, if someone's interested in uh, joining the better man program or leading the better man program or like how, what are, how do they get to that or how do they find that? Or absolutely, man. Super simple. Betterman.com. Betterman.com. Everything's on our website. Uh, you, you create a login every, every, it's free. You don't have to pay for anything. There's no monthly membership. There's no licensing. You, you get access to everything. Um, we have curriculum you can download and do with other men. It's all video based. You know, you're in a program now where it's at our home church. So I'm teaching it live. You know, you know, most churches don't do that. They play the videos, but we've got some phenomenal teachers from across the country. We got Derwin Gray, who's got a big church in North Carolina. He played for the Seattle Seahawks for years. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we got Jonathan Bacluda, who's down in Waco now. Yeah. We got Tim Lundy out in California. We got Brian Hurlbut up in Utah, man. I mean, these guys crush it. That's awesome. So so you download the videos. You download the content. You can go through it with three guys. You can go through it with 
300 guys. We got a church in Nashville taking 1,800 guys through it right now. It's crazy. That's really cool. It's crazy. So, and then on there, we also have a podcast, man. We have the Better Man podcast, which is which is great. It's weekly episodes. Uh, we have a YouTube show, The Hard Path with Harp, um, which, which drops every Wednesday. Um, we have social media. We have blogs and posts. Uh, we're always writing and talking about being better men. That's really cool, man. Yeah. So there's a lot of content available for men that that want to get to know this 100%. better. That's awesome. Um, real quick, I want to go back if if it's okay with you. Actually, before I forget, he like he said, all this content is free, you guys. So if there's anybody listening that you know feels led to uh, to pour into that. I'm sure that there's an option somewhere on the Better Man website. Is there yeah. that they can donate or give if they yeah. feel led to hit that donate button, baby? Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean that's how they're doing it. <laughs> that's, that's right. I mean this is awesome content for free, so they got to keep that going somehow. Um, but now I want to go back and dive into a couple of your old courses. Is that okay? Just, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Just man. there are three that stuck out to me. That uh, if you could just maybe give us one or two tips on each one of these that kind yeah. of that you feel are super important. Um, the first one is parenting children in sports. Yeah, yeah. So that's. I mean, the, the greatest, so the greatest two idols in anyone's life, mine included, are my kids and my money. I mean, those are the two idols I deal with every day, right? Yep. So, and, and typically youth sports involves both, right? So, you know, when, when, I'm, when I'm helping parents realize, um, you know, how do, we, how do we approach sport correctly? You know, the first thing to remember is sports are good, like sports are great. You could, you could learn adversity, you can develop mental toughness, you find community. Um, but I'll, I'll always remind parents, the chances of your child being a professional athlete are 0.04%. Yeah. The chances of your child being a millionaire are 0.09%. The chances of your child getting into an Ivy League school are 0.08%. The chances of your child standing before a holy God, a hundred percent. That's good. A hundred percent. So like, what are we prioritizing? Like, yeah. what are we focusing on? So, so sport is a great character builder. Be sure you're using it to build character and not tear down character. That's really good. Right. And, and your, your kids probably not, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, they're not going to play for the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> they're not going to play for the Dallas Cowboys. Like don't, um, uh, don't, don't like lie to your children. Like, don't exaggerate that. Yeah. You know, your kid's coach. So, so, so think about this. Every time your kid doesn't play and he gets in the car and you say something negative about his coach, you're not just undermining the coach. You're actually undermining the authority system. So don't be shocked when your child grows up hating authority. Man, that's so good. Because every time you undermine that coach, every time you say something bad about him, every time you say that idiot should have made this decision or he should have passed the ball to you, you're not just you're not just saying the coach is stupid. You're actually undermining the authority of the system. So we wonder why so many kids grow up rebellious and don't like authority. It's because you've been showing them how to undermine it for the last 10 years. You're literally talking to me right now. Bro, I'm talking to everybody, Man, me included, so good, bro. Me, me, me included, right? So, so you know, I, I, I remind parents of that. And then just, just again, man, let's, let's see and use sport for what it is and, and not pretend it's something that it's not. That's so awesome. That was literally like to me. I, I yeah. can't stuff I'm going on with my son and his football team right now. Like literally you're so thank you for that. Um, next one. Um, what to do after a parenting fail? 
like what to do after a parenting fail, which I make all the time. If you're on, honest bro. with yourself, you probably do too, you know, like hundred percent. So my, my favorite. So when somebody asks me, what is leadership? I always tell them leadership is failing at a rate people around you can absorb. That's what leadership is, bro. Like the dude that comes to me and he's always winning, like, bro, like I'm real weary of that dude. <laughs> like, because that's not life. Yeah. That's like, not. like I've been around long enough to know, bro, like it ain't all W's. Yeah. So I get super cautious when I run into a ministry or I run into a leader where all he does is win, 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 no matter what, right? <laughs> like, like, nah, bro, there's something What's right really here. going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So leadership is failing at a rate people can absorb. Um, I say that to say, man, we're all going to fail. We're going to fail as husbands. We're going to fail as parents. We're going to fail as whatever. We're just going to fail. So, yeah. so two things. When you fail, one, don't internalize it. You are not defined by your failures. Awesome. You are not defined by your past, right? Yeah. Don't internalize it. Know that there is a, a a second chance, man. That's what I love about your brand. That's what I love about all this. Like, like God is the God of not just second chances, but like 800th chances. Yeah, so true. So, so failure is not final. I remind parents of that. And then two, when you fail, just be quick to say, I'm sorry. See, that's last week I even hit on that on the podcast. So I'm that's glad it. that that's where you went. 100%. Being yeah. able to apologize because I want my son to be able to apologize when he messes up. Uh, absolutely. And the longer you wait to apologize and say you're sorry, the more you give the devil a foothold. Mm. Right. But if you do it quickly, the devil can't grab onto anything. That's bro, good. Yeah. Because because you, you're you're putting it out there. So just be quick to own it. We at at, at the Better Man office. If 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 the staff was here right now, and you asked them what's a core principle at Better Man, um, to a person, our team would say. We we own the losses and we give away the wins. That's so good. Humility. We own yeah. the losses and we give away the wins. Like we're always boosting each other. And then when something goes wrong, we're raising our hand and saying, my bad. Man, that's the definition of a good leader to me. Come on. Come that's on, so man. good. Yeah. That's awesome. And then the last one, and these are all good. I'm sure we could go into all of them, but I don't want to take you too much of your time. Parenting with cell phones. Yeah, bro. Super difficult. So, I mean, you got to think about this like, your children, if they have a smartphone or a device, they have access to the world, like far more access than you could ever imagine. So so this is doing two things. Um, one, the first thing, it's as a father, the, the device is uh, systematically undermining your authority. Let me tell you why. It's because everybody with a smartphone is now a fact checker. And I do this all the time, bro. Like, like somebody will say something and I'll be like, bro, and I'll Google it and I'll be like, he ain't right. Me too. You know what I'm saying, yeah. bro? So like what it's doing, it's, it's, it's destroying implicit trust. So now, man, like you're telling your kids stuff and what they're doing is they're going to their room and they're fact checking you. And yeah. it's like destroying the trust between you and them. Wow. Like Google knows better than dad. So that's like the first thing we got to start being mindful Never thought of. thought of that. hundred percent. And it's a, and it's an automatic response, right? And again, as an adult, I'll do it. Yeah, me and too. And I'll be sitting in the meeting and somebody will say something. I'll be like, that ain't right. Me and too. I'll, and I'll check it. So, and what that does is consciously it begins to deteriorate the trust I have for people. So that's happening in your home if your kids have a device, bro. So you wow. need to be mindful of that. Um, the second thing is I tell parents, you have to monitor the device. Like, you know, kids should not be taking devices to bed with them. Yeah, that's good. They shouldn't be taking it. They shouldn't be alone with devices. 
um, you know, have you can you can set up systems where you can mirror and see what they're seeing. Yeah. Where the text they receive or the text you receive, like I tell parents all the time, if you're not willing to do the hard work of monitoring the device, your kids shouldn't have the device. That's really good. Like like as a dad, you know, maybe I'd buy my kid a gun. But I wouldn't do that without training him first how to use the gun. Yeah, and actually still being there monitoring it the entire and time. And watching him yeah. use the gun, right? A cell phone is more dangerous than a firearm. Wow. Period. Period. You Don't at me. Don't email me. I've watched lives be destroyed through social media. Yeah, it's true. Seven-year-old kids become addicted to pornography because of TikTok. Like, yeah. it is de destructive handing a kid as a, a smartphone is the same thing as handing them a nine millimeter Jeez. and you would never do that without like you said watching yeah. them training them getting them a license like you would never do that without doing all that back work yeah we do it with ipads and phones all the time bro that's so like cool. like like these I'm things guilty. are innocence bro. That's so true man it's that's crazy. awesome yeah 100 i'm so glad that i had you bring that up because I think someone's going to get something really good out of that come that on. could actually save their kid's life come on bro 100 it's crazy Man, so uh, I got one more question for you yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that we ask everybody. This is just kind of how we end it. Um, what piece of advice or pieces of advice would you give, um, you know, little harp or would you, uh, yeah. you know, at 16 years old or kind of just even a 16-year-old kid now, like one or two pieces of advice that you think would be really helpful? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't, you're, you're 16 and you don't know it all. You know, I don't, I don't care how much access you have to things, you know. I see so many young men today, they're, they're so defensive when it comes to criticism and feedback. And because of such, man, they don't grow. You know, we grow because of the feedback and the criticism people give us. Yeah. Right? So I see so many young men and just men in general that are not receptive to that. And, 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 and here's what I tell people. Like, like, I seek out criticism and feedback. But I always treat criticism and feedback like an ugly Christmas sweater. And somebody was like, what does that mean? Like every year my aunt gave me this ugly Christmas sweater. I don't even know what color it was, right? But it always came with a receipt. Man, I didn't have to wear it. I could give it back once she left. So like when people give you criticism and feedback, like, bro, you don't have to wear it. Like when they leave, take it back. Yeah. Like it, all criticism and feedback comes with a receipt. But there are some things, bro, you should probably put on. Like there are some things that you should wear, like some things people are telling you that you should probably listen to, especially if you're a young man and like one, two, three, four people start telling you, hey, bro, you need to be mindful of this. Like you should probably pay attention to it. That's really good. Like if it's a random one off, you know, your dad telling you you're worthless and I hate you as 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 hurtful as that is. Yeah. Like you don't have to wear that stuff, man. Take that back. Use that receipt. Give it back. That's good. Right. But, but if three people come to you and, and I've got a friend that always talks about himself, bro, like, like he loves himself. And so finally, like, we just had to come around and say, bro, like you talk about yourself too much. Nah, man, no, I don't. But then the second guy said it. And then the third guy was like, bro, you talk about yourself too much. He was like, maybe I do. <laughs> right? he was able to, that's really good. That's because it, it's 16 man. years old. You think you know everything. 100%. And then you push off some good advice that could end up changing the trajectory changing of your life. Changing your life, yeah. man. There's so much. I think I had a teacher my senior year try to give me finance advice that if I would have listened to at 17 years old, bro, I would be way uh, more ahead than I Isn't am Isn't that right crazy now. how we... And I just dismiss it, bro. He tried to teach me this term called compound interest, bro. And I just ignored it. 
dude, if I could go back 20 years. It's crazy if you would think about it. I mean, like what did you hear people talk about if you double your money, like double each day, how much money it ends up being and how that compound interest well, works. Crazy. And we just, at the time we're thinking, what, a dollar, a couple of dollars a day? Like that's nothing. It's pointless. But then if you look back and realize what you could have done. Bro, and, and what's even worse is not only was I thinking that, but I was also judging him. I was thinking in my mind, bro, you're broke. You're a teacher. Like, why am I listening to you about, oh, yeah, like, so bring funny. Warren Buffett in the room. Like, <laughs> let me listen to him, right? And and I completely dismissed him because he was a teacher. Like, what does he know about, about stacking racks, right? He didn't know yeah. anything. Bro. That's good advice. If I could go back and listen to that cat, life changer. That's so good, man. Yeah. Man, thank you so much for doing this, dude. It's Absolutely, really- dude. Honored to be here. Thankful to be here, man. And, and love what you're doing, bro. Keep it up for Thanks. sure. Appreciate it, man. Thank yeah. you. Um, And just remember, you guys listening, uh, that you're loved and you're forgiven and there's nothing you can do about it. We'll see you guys next week.